Amen. Well, it is a joy to get to speak to you in this capacity today. Um, I'll be preaching today, and next week we will get the privilege of hearing Jason lead worship, so that'll be fun. You'll have (laughs) something to look forward to, Uh, and then Kenny's going to be in the kids' ministry holding babies, so we're just doing a whole swaparoo around. Uh, No, like Jason said, we are in our devoted series. Today I'm going to be talking on worship. We have gone through the Word of God, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer, uh, filled with awe, unity, generosity. Last week, Doc West talked about hospitality, worship today, and then Swain will close it next week. Um, and yeah, so excited to, to be here. Thank you for having me. I have not taught here before, so I'm just going to give you guys a little bit of a back story of who I am, where I come from, how did I get here today. So, my name is Andrew Robert Spada. All the nicknames you heard before. Uh, I am a Colorado native. Grew up just south of Denver. And I've got a wonderful wife over here named Carly. We met in early 2019. Got married a little over two years ago. No kids yet, but maybe one day, hopefully. Yes. What's up, father-in-law? How's it going? <laughs> Working on it, bud. All right, we're going to get off track a couple times today. I'll just <laughs> forewarn you now. Uh, I have not always been a believer of Jesus. I grew up in a very lukewarm Catholic home. We, we went to church every couple months and holidays and never, ever talked about Jesus outside of uh, church. And so I didn't really come to faith until I was a high school student through the ministry of Young Life. Thank you, Jody, for what you do. Um, and I want to tell you guys a little bit of that story. So I was a freshman in high school. We go to this weekend retreat away to a beautiful Young Life camp up in Fraser, Colorado. And uh, the very first time I had ever really heard the gospel, uh, I heard that I was separated from the love of God, and there was nothing that I could do about it, and the, the wages for sin was death. And so I had this weighty sin talk, and then there was nothing I could do to bridge that gap to God. But we know the story that God gave his one and only son died on the cross to bridge that gap so that we could have fullness in life with him eternally. And so uh, my world was rocked by that, that he was a, he's a relational God. And and so right after I heard this gospel for the first time, they gave us 15 minutes to just sit in solitude out in the, um, in this beautiful camp under the stars. There's hundreds of high school students at this camp. And I was amazed at how silent it was. There was not a peep for 15 minutes. They turned off all the lights. You could see every single star in the sky, and it was silent. And so it was the first time that I prayed. It was the first time I, like, attempted talking to God, asking, like, are you real? And, like, feeling, um, I would say, the Holy Spirit for the first time in that moment. And then... At the end of that 15 minutes, a 
very small voice at the other side of the camp I heard um, with a guitar just starting to strum and singing, I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. We actually sung this song a couple weeks ago here, and then a couple more people joined along, and I'm accepted because you were condemned. And then we kind of knew like this was now the time that this solitude was, was ending, and so people just started congregating to the middle. And I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me, because you died and rose again. And then the whole camp is circled around the center square. There's this big bell and this kind of big middle area. And the whole camp of all these high school students and their leaders were all in these different rows of circles, just arms around each other in unity. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my king, would die for me? And we're singing out this worship to God as some, I'm sure some students went into that camp already having a relationship with Jesus, but I'm coming for the very first time, now first and freshly experiencing God, and, and this was my first like worship experience. And it was beautiful. It was very communal. It was a forever bond for me and the, the other guys that were there in the cabin with me. So that's how I, that's how I started my faith journey. When I accepted God, I really didn't know what it was going to look like, what the rest of my uh, life was going to turn out to, to be like, but um, that was the beginning. And so I got on fire for Jesus. I had a passion to work with Young Life. I got to, um, I came up to CSU a couple years later when I graduated, and I, I met Jody through Young Life, and then I met Jason also through Young Life, and I found out he had a little church in his living room called Two Rivers, and so I was like, I've never actually been part of a church before. Young Life was my church in high school, and so I was like, I get to hang out with Jason and like 10 other people in his house and call that church? <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> so Two Rivers was the first church I ever went to, and it was about the size of those first two pews, and um, at this time, I didn't know how to play guitar. I had just started teaching myself how to play guitar towards the tail end of high school, um, but my, the start of my faith was, was drawn in by this group worship session. So I, I, like, from the very beginning of my faith in Jesus, I was so drawn to songs of worship. And so I started learning how to play guitar, started learning how to, like, the very first songs I learned were, were worship songs. And I was clunky as all get out when I'm starting to to do this, and so uh, I'm about halfway through college, pretty shy as, when it came to like playing music. And um, Connor Patterson, who's I don't think he's here right now, but he he was the worship guy at the time. And my sister drags me over to Connor, and she's like, "Hey, you should have him play worship with you sometime." And I'm kind of like hiding behind her, and I'm like, "Uh huh." <laughs> and he's like totally going to give you a call to, to lead worship because you look really confident right now. <laughs> so rightfully so, he didn't, I didn't hear from Connor right away. Uh, but then it was uh, Christmas break, early January, and I get a call from Connor saying, hey, do you want to come lead worship at Two Rivers this week? And I'm like, 
yes, I'm in. Let's do it. I was like, what songs are we doing? And he's like, well, that's the thing. You could pick any songs because the whole team is out of town, including me, so it's just going to be you. <laughs> and I'm like, wait. No. And before I could back out, I'm like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Um, so that was the first time that I led worship was riding solo. Two Rivers had grown to probably about 60 to 75-ish people at the time. Thankfully, it was winter break, so it might have been even smaller than that. Um, but I clunked my way through the first time leading worship, and it was terrifying, and it was it just like sparked this deep passion that I was like, this is what I'm made to do. And um, people talk about like being called by God, being like, oh, this is the calling on my life. And I, I believe that like we are called to follow Jesus. That is what we are called to do. And then there's things that we do that just feel like they fit so right with our passions and um, we just have this overwhelming peace about what we get to do in those situations. That was, that was one of them that um, truly felt like this is peace and this is really what I feel like I'm, I am called and meant to, to do with my life. And so uh, I just kept working at learning more uh, worship songs and, and kind of honing in on my skills, I guess you could say, and then uh, I graduated college with a super awesome communications degree <laughs> and set me up to do anything I want in the world. <laughs> um, so I started cleaning clubs at a golf course right out of college, and then and I was volunteering with the worship team, and then this bigger church in town approached me, and they're like, hey, can we hire you on as an intern? We want you to, we want to develop you as a worship leader, but also want you to, like, raise up a team of middle school and high school students for, um, like, teach them how to lead worship, and so I was like, great. I don't know if I totally know how to do it, but I love it. I'm passionate about it. Let's give it a shot, and I got to sit under a guy who had been a worship pastor for, like, 15, 20 years, and so it was a really cool job. They were like, this is a one-year internship, and I was like, sweet, I'll take it, with one exception. I get to go to Two Rivers on Sundays. And they're like, no, that's not going to be part of the deal. So I said, I don't want it. And I walked out the door, and I called Jason. I just said, hey, I got this opportunity, and I turned it down. And he's like, you're a fool. <laughs> he's like, I love you. I love that you're here at Two Rivers, but this seems like it would really be good and equipping for you. I think you should consider it. And I was like, all right, is this job still on the table? Uh, so I uh, ended up doing this year-long internship. It turned into then a, I, I got offered the worship director at one of their campuses for about three years and then reconnected with Jason uh, back in 2019. Um, and I've been back home since then. So uh, this has always been home church for me. I just took a little break to learn and grow. And now we back. This is first time preaching, as you can tell. Um, and, but truly, I have a huge passion for coaching 
and teaching. I love working with um, high school and college students, watching them grow into the young men and women that God is calling them to be. So like last week, having Brennan up here leading worship, and like she's got a phenomenal voice, right? And just watching her come out of her shell and, and declare this worship and praise for God as a sweet little 14-year-old is, is beautiful, and I know that God has so much more for her in store. So that's what I love is seeing God use young people and just like launch them into life, into what he has for them. So today, with all that intro, we are talking about worship. Um, let's see if this works. It's the first time I get to use one of these fancy things. Uh, we are in Acts 2. Uh, we're going to be kind of camping out in verse 47, but I'm going to start us in the verse right before that in 46. So, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And here's kind of where we're going to camp out. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So, this very first line, or so this is where we're camping. And that very first praising uh, I looked up at the, I looked up the Greek translation, and it comes out to this. Uh, Inountus is, I think, how you would possibly say that. Inountus, and that's only seen in two. Uh, it's only seen two times in the, the Bible. This specific uh, tr- translation of praise or praising, um, it's here in Acts two, and it's also in. Luke 2, which is the birth of Jesus, and it's talking about the, the shepherds when they had gone and seen Jesus, and they returned, glorifying and praising, announceth God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, when we hear and see things, uh, miraculous, incredible, it is, it's kind of our natural response to praise. Think about the last sunset that really caught your attention that kind of just takes your breath away a little bit. Or for those 14er hikers in the room, you get up to the top and the views is just incredible. Or even we could go to like concerts and sporting events and we just get caught up in the awe of the talent that we see in front of us that it naturally draws out clapping and celebrating and cheering, hands raised. That is a form of praise. We are naturally drawn to praise when we are in awe. So here's where we're going to go today. Here's our little outline of the day. What is worship and how does music play a role? Praise as an expression of worship and praise as both individual and corporate. So let's start with what is worship? Worship is to show reverence and adoration for something. Uh, I, I talked about how that inountus is only seen twice, but, but praise and worship, they're seen many, many times in Scripture. Worship is mentioned 188 times. Praise is mentioned 259 times. So it's throughout Scripture, um, and we're going to talk about what does the Bible say about worship. We're just going to mention a couple 
things. So we see that worship is genuine and sincere from the heart. John 4 is worship in spirit and in truth. We also see that worship is humble and sacrificial. Romans 12.1, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, both holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. It's humble to put God your ways before mine. It's also serving. It's serving God. It's serving others. We've, we see this in our church, in our Scatter Sundays. We see this in the volunteers who serve uh, kids ministry who get here super early to make you coffee, the guys in the back there that go totally unnoticed and unthanked often for making it sound really good in here and clicking through slides. We're serving God, we're serving others. We also see that, uh, that worship is very commonly related to uh, music and singing and dancing. Psalm 100, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs. Second Chronicles 29, and the congregation bowed in worship while the musicians played and the trumpets sounded. There's joy and gladness in our adoration for him. So we see that worship is used in many different contexts, and music is just one piece of that, but that's kind of where we're going to camp out a little bit, is that music in worship and how does that play in. So we're going to play a little game. Uh, yes, thank you. Woo-woo! All right. Guys in the booth up there, I'm going to need you to get ready here. You got it ready? What we're going to do, this is how this game's going to work. Mark back there is going to play one, maybe two seconds of a song, and I'm going to try to see who raises their hand first and whoever guesses it first. Jolly Ranches. Okay, we're going to see how well we know the first note or two of these songs. You guys ready? Hit it. That wasn't the one. That was a different playlist. But now he's on the right one. He's in the right one. I can see it in his eyes. Here, here we go. Oh, yeah. Who else knew it? Who else knew it? Yeah. All right. Jody, I'm going to need your help here. Yeah. We got, we, this is a wide span. I don't have fisheye lens. You go down, I go up. You go up, I go down. All right, next song. Yeah. All right. Come on, top row, balcony. Next one. Oh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Are, am I missing top right? All right. Oh. Come on. What? It's so close. You got it. Yeah. 
All right, ready? Go. Oh. You, right? Okay. Next one. That was so fast. She, she didn't even, she just raised and yelled it out. That was Blank Space by the economy changing Taylor Swift. All right, next one. Yeah. All right. Piano man. We got two more? Two more. Oh! She said it first. She said it first. All right. Last one. Yeah. Staying alive. You can tell by the way I use my walk. I'm a woman's man. I no time to talk. All right. Did, did anybody else hear these songs and then instantly go to those, like, verses and the choruses and, ah, 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 stay alive, stay alive. I think of the office CPR scene when I hear that song. Um, thank you, thank you. But, real, uh, fun game, like, you know, now we reel it back in and, and pretty crazy that we hear that little bit of a song and we can hear the rest of the, the melodies and the, the lyrics just come right back into our heads. Like, I would say probably for a lot of us that we don't listen to those songs every single day. It might have been even years since we last heard that song. But music has a way that's so tied to our memory that it just floods back in. And so... Um, We've got songs now. We also see in Scripture we've got psalms, which those are the songs of old. They weren't numbered and versed like we have them now, or um, they wouldn't reference the psalms back then by saying, oh, yeah, that's Psalm 23, verse 4. They would, how they would know psalms is they would say the first line of it, and David was a musician. He would write these with music with melodies to them so he would you sing that first line and the rest of that song of the psalms they would come into your brain the, the melody would come in and so we see this one one main example of this is when Jesus is on the cross and he quotes that first line of psalm 22 he's not just saying that one line of my god my god why have you forsaken me He's actually singing the first line, referencing that entire psalm. And so I would imagine that the other people there would hear that first line, and they would probably continue to sing out the rest of that song. And as they do so, you get into the other verses in there that talk totally about what's going on um, in that moment. And so... 
Music is powerful. It's so tied to our emotions and our memory. And so I think there's a reason why music and worship and praise are so talked about in, together. All right, we're transitioning now to back to that, our verse of the day, this praising, I announces. Um, what I t- talked about how the, I now this is only seen those two times. What, what that literally translates to is to sing praises in honor of God. Another reason why we're kind of focusing on, in on this music, singing, dancing, what, this music part of worship and praise. So, so what is praise? Uh, well, worship is to show reverence and adoration for something. Praise is the expression of respect and gratitude as an act of worship, reverence, and adoration. So two words I want to highlight in that definition of praise. It's the expression of respect and gratitude as an act of worship. We see that praise now really ties in this expression piece, this action side of worship. Worship begins with the motivation of loving and honoring God, and praise is the expression that completes that act of worship. Praise and worship totally go hand in hand together. They, they work together as one. We praise and worship God for who he is, for what he's done, and for what he has yet to do in, in faith and confident expectation that, uh, of what he will do. Um, I'm going to read a quote from a book called How to Worship a King. And honestly, it may challenge some of us. It may step on some toes. Um, But I promise I'm not trying to make anybody feel uh, upset, called out, hurt by this. So please trust me and my intention of of sharing this. I I simply want all of us to... um, I'm, I'm good with a little bit of healthy conviction of, um, Lord, you see me, you know me, and highlight what is not good in me and what needs more of you. Um, so we're going to look at this quote real quick. Praise must be an expression. Why is that important? Because many of us have been trained by bad theology and denominational culture that it is perfectly okay for us to stand, arms crossed, mouths shut, and eyes rolled in boredom at the ceiling during praise. We've been deceived into thinking we can praise God without expressing praise to God. And we cannot. By its very definition, praise must include expression. So again, please trust me in my heart and my intention for sharing this. The last thing I want to do is have us read this and think that my goal is behavior modification. That's not where I'm getting at. I don't want us to try to like outwardly fix things while the inside is, is not good. I don't want us to um, feel like we're just looking for a picture of praise, but there's no heart of praise. Uh, The truth is, worship and praise, it takes a posture of the heart 
and a physical posture, a posture of the body. Those also go one and the same. Um, We're going to look at some of the words that we saw from our definitions of worship and praise. These are the heart postures. We've got reverence, adoration, sacrifice or serving God and others. We've got respect and gratitude. Now I'm going to pair those with what are some physical postures that go alongside those heart postures and what's the scripture that, um, or an example of scripture that um, solidifies that. So reverence pairs with kneeling. Come let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord for he is good. We've got adoration, clapping. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. We've got sacrifice. Our hands are open. Let us continually offer God a sacrifice of praise. Respect, bowing, At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. And gratitude, our hands raised up. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift my hands. These aren't foreign physical um, postures for us at all, in like as a society, but they might be foreign to us in our personal context of worship. Um, kneeling, I, I knelt down on one knee to propose to Carly as a sign of honor and respect for her. We go to a Broncos game and they score a touchdown and we raise our hands and we clap because we are celebrating or in adoration of what's going on, this, this talent and um, So those are not foreign postures for us. A funny story of my sweet bride. When she was three years old, she told her parents, I want to do karate. So she goes to this little karate place, gym, dojo? I don't know. Um, And she remembers vividly they had these little cubbies. She had to put her shoes in the cubbies. And then before she could get on to the mat, they said, all right, now bow to your sensei. And she said, I can't bow to my sensei. I can only bow to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. (laughs) I have nothing against karate. It was a sweet thing that a three-year-old had. I don't know how you learn that in kids' church, but it was, it's one of my favorite stories. So she did not do karate, but it... That's okay. Um, Yes, as a whole, these are not foreign postures. I would say maybe the most foreign for us, and this is kind of just like American culture, we're not used to bowing to others because we are king. We are the high and mighty as Americans. And so... um, (laughs) What would it look like to, to live a life more of that reverence and submission to 
to God, getting in the habit of um, humbling ourselves to bow to our king. And sometimes, uh, so we've got our heart and physical posture. Sometimes we are in a place where our heart is so moved. We come in with this heart posture that is so moved that it leads us to this physical posture. It's a natural, my heart is feeling this. I am experiencing God's spirit and I am now led to this physical posture of praise. And sometimes the reality is we come in with distracted hearts and minds and sometimes we need to have our physical posture help bring our heart forward more. And so I might be coming into this room worried more about my circumstances and so I might need to kneel before God and say, Lord, bring my heart to a place of worship. I surrender and submit to you. Um, just to be honest with you guys, uh, I don't think that that is a posture that I have done a lot before this, this week. Um, I don't use phrases a lot of like, the Lord spoke to me in this way, or the Lord said this to me. Um, this week I, I felt this strong conviction that um, I needed to bow to the king. And so um, it has been good for my soul and my spirit. And I don't say that in any kind of boasting or attaboy kind of way, just as an honest um, confession to you that like I am not good at bowing down and kneeling down before God I got bad knees and I make that excuse that I can't kneel down because ah, it's a little tender um, <laughs> but the reality is that it's not about me it's not about how I feel it's not about what's going on with me it is about Lord, you are greater, you are king, so I will submit and bow down to you. And you are holy and glorious, so I will raise my hands in awe and gratitude of you. The heart posture and the physical posture go hand in hand. I would challenge you to not let your self-esteem get in the way of you surrendering and submitting to your king. And again, I say this not as someone who has unlocked the secret, but as someone who's a total work in progress in this. So, um, yeah, I challenge you to not think too much of your self-image in this, of what others may think or say about you. Um, but what does your, what does your father see in in your display of worship. I didn't come up here in front of you as the worship director, just trying to get everybody more involved and engaged in the worship song so that when the band plays, we could just feed off of the energy in the room. That is not the goal. Um, the goal is for you and for me that we 
would desire and we would embrace a deeper level of connection with God, that we would bring our hearts and our bodies to this place of worship, praise, surrender, sacrifice to our King, Um, and an obedience to him. I'm going to share with you a, uh, just a personal philosophy that I have around worship, and that is that our public display of worship is a direct reflection of our private worship, that what we display publicly in this room is a window in to what our worship looks like outside of this room. How we worship God behind closed doors affects how we worship God with the family of believers. We need to worship him individually. He commands us to worship him. And it's not because he needs us, because he's a desperate God. No, it's because we desperately need him. Regardless of our circumstances, we worship him out of a response to what he's done or is doing. We go back to Jody's message a few weeks ago when she had us write down all these things that we are grateful for. If we sit in this posture of gratitude, we're reminded of those things that we're thankful for, we sit in this posture of worship. We fix our eyes less on our circumstances of what's not going well, and we sit in this, thank you, God, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for the air in my lungs that I can breathe. I'm grateful for two legs that can walk place to place. That is an act of worship, is sitting in gratitude. When we look back one more time at our verse of the day, we're praising God and enjoying the favor of all the, peop- of all the people. Yeah, this context that is going on in Acts 2, yes, we have our individual worship, but this is a very communal and group worship here. They're enjoying the favor of the people. They're enjoying that, the grace and blessing of those around them. They're feeding off of the faith and joy of their fellow believers, and it's this unity and common mission together. Do you ever get caught up in worship here? Like you come in maybe melancholy or hurting or angry or whatever the case may be, and then the church sings, the worship rises, and it, it, it just raises your gaze off of, off of yourself, um, and you literally feel yourself being filled with the Spirit. Hope and peace infuses your mind and heart. There's something in that. That's why Hebrews 10 says we must never give up the habit of meeting together. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge us all to think about if our private worship is dry, are our eyes open to seeing what God is doing? 
Are our ears attuned to listening, to hearing his voice? Is our mind dwelling in a place of gratitude? Is our heart moved in awe for who he is? And are we carving out time to be still with him and to know that he is good? And if our public worship is like I described in that quote earlier, we've got our arms crossed, we're not singing, we're bored, are we engaging in private worship? Are we prioritizing that? Start there. Um, If we are, but yet we still come in this room and we don't step into that engagement with our family of believers, I challenge you to ask yourself, are you making the time of worship more about you or about God? Because worship is not about us. It's not for us. It's for God. It's for his glory. It's not about how we look, sound, or even feel. It's celebrating God's character and his sovereignty. It's about clinging on to hope when darkness surrounds us. And it's, being, it's about being together with family and believers with that united mission to declare his goodness, his glory, his faithfulness. It brings me back to that story when I first, I first found Jesus and together with all those other either new believers or maybe they had been following Jesus their whole life, but we are, it didn't matter. We were united, worshiping, lifting our voice, connected together. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. We're going to respond in worship. We're going to express our gratitude with praise. Now, I know it's not the easiest thing to do in these pews. Uh, It doesn't leave a ton of room. But I challenge you, uh, if you feel the need to bow or kneel in surrender and submission and obedience to God, there's room up in the front, off to the side, aisles, back of the room, We can move around the room. Don't let the pews stop you in that. And if you need to celebrate God with your joy and your thanksgiving, clapping, dancing, raising your hands, do so. He delights in your unashamed faith. And if you're unsure of where you stand with God, of what you believe, I invite you to a posture of open hands. Open hands releasing what you carried in here and also open to receiving what God may have for you. Again, I'm not trying to instill a behavior modification. I'm trying to talk about this heart posture, physical posture, the importance that both play in our worship of God. So I encourage you now as we respond in worship and praising the name of Jesus that we take our gaze off of ourselves, we fix our eyes on Jesus, we express our love and gratitude for him. He's worthy of our praise. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords.
is full of grace, mercy, comfort, and love. Feel free to lose yourself in his spirit, to abandon your flesh, to bow down before your king, to lift your hands and your voice to worship him. Let's stand together as a church. We're going we're gonna to say this piece from Psalm 66 together, and then we're going to respond in worship. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. Let's worship. Let's worship.